0: all right good morning everybody welcome to another episode of mc fireside chats hopefully you guys can see me i'm trying something crazy this morning because we're talking about internet security and that totally makes sense when he's sitting in a tree back here uh, i'm really hoping my webcam doesn't fall off in this fence post here but uh anyway uh welcome to another episode here we've got a couple great guests for you uh tim wrote tim is it tim route or tim wrote i'm so sorry Tim.
1: tim
0: Rout. Yep. okay so we got tim from access parks here he's going to talk to us a little bit about wi-fi security all the great things that his uh, that his business does at campgrounds and RV parks uh, all around the country. I'm sure you've heard of him before. Uh, and then we're going to dive into some questions that Kara's got. I'm going to kind of let Kara lead this type of show. I've got some experience with Internet security, viruses, malware and all that kind of stuff. And so she's kind of prepared a list of questions. But the reason I'm sitting up here to begin the show, I'm not going to stay up here the whole time uh, is because you can see there's a fence over here. And so what I want to explain to you is just kind of like Internet security at its most basic fundamental level. Right. When you're out there on the internet, whether it's your website or your computer systems or anything that's electronic and connected online in any capacity, whether it's your thermostat at home or anything like that, it's literally like there's more and more hackers and ransomware people every single day who are trying to infect your system to get control of it, to get information, to do whatever they wanna do, even if it's just to, to use you as an entry point into another system that they wanna get control of. And so not having viruses, or virus protection, not having malware protection, not having ransomware protection, those kinds of things, is like sticking your head above the fence and not having any protection from a sniper who's out there trying to look for your system, hunt for things that have weak entry points. And so the very basic principle of security is to put a fence up between you and that hacker. Now that fence might not be the most sturdy thing in the world, but it's better than nothing. So Kara, take it away, what do we got?
2: Ah uh, yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, I just uh, first just want to say hi, everybody, and uh, thanks for joining us today. But uh, I really want to dive in quickly, specifically to concerns. I know for myself, as a former campground owner, um, I was often um, overwhelmed, frankly, by concerns specifically surrounding security for things like my uh, point of sale campground reservation software. Um, as well as obviously my my on site uh, Wi Fi system. Um, I, you know, we all kind of hear in the news all the time about t- security concerns specific to this and things like, uh, you know, we were talking right before before the show started specifically about databases being held for ransom and and things like that. Um, those are big concerns. I know for my in my case specifically, I was s- storing not only. Um, really kind of personal customer data in my database, like addresses and email addresses and contact information and all of that. But also, the, uh, in many cases, their payment information, credit card information, and that stuff, frankly, <laughs> some nights kept me awake, concerned about how... Um, Kind of vulnerable, I felt. So I guess I'll I'll start with asking specifically. Uh, maybe we'll dive in a little bit on the Wi-Fi side. Tim, can you, maybe you can only specifically touch on access parks and and your your specific products, but um, I'm interested to hear about the security uh, kind of protocols and 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 things that are in place to protect those on-site systems for campground operators.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Kara, And thanks for uh, thanks for having me uh, on the show this morning. Uh, very important topic uh, so that there are a couple of different ways to look at security. One is uh, sort of guest related and the other is your business IT systems. Uh, yeah. And so. You know, on the guest side, uh, I'll talk about what the vast majority of parks do, um, and then talk a little bit about how you can get a little bit more advanced with security. But uh, on a a basic level, uh, Wi-Fi at a campground is typically viewed in a similar way as Wi-Fi at a Starbucks or McDonald's or a library. Uh, It is inherently going to be insecure. It's going to have to be open. Um, If you want people to get to a captive portal page, doesn't have to be open but most of the time people leave leave it unencrypted which means WPA2 uh, it has a password so when you connect to the SSID it immediately pops up a question saying what's the password to connect to this network Uh, that's the most secure for guest internet uh, because of course that is encrypted from the Wi-Fi radio wherever it is on a building or a pole down to that client device Um, and so so that's very very secure but most of the time uh, Parks will just leave it open with no password, uh, just so people can get redirected very easily to a captive portal. Uh, enter a voucher code, sign up for service, and so on. Um, so I think it's important to to understand that the vast majority of hotspots out there are, by nature, unencrypted just from that last hundred meters from the radio to the to the guest device. Um, and so, you know, it, it really comes down to the user's browser. Uh, so most, most folks will look before they go to a website or do anything with a website, they'll look in the upper part of the address bar. Uh, okay. and they want to see that lock, right? That SSL encrypted lock. Um, and what that does is encrypt it from the, the, the mobile device, the browser itself using 128 bit SSL encryption, all the way through the internet to that server that's hosting that website um so that is also you know that really the most secure so these days you know if you do online banking or anything else that's remotely secure you're, you're going to be using ssl and it's going to be automatic um and so that's why nobody's really worried uh not not a lot of folks have really worried about the why the last 100 meter wi-fi encryption um because right. they know the browser is encrypting it using what you know when they're when they're going to a website um you also want to make sure that your email is is set up to use ssl encryption and that's a whole different topic right. but uh when you're just doing web browsing and banking uh it is secure because of that ssl encryption in the browser uh but you can take it another level and you can implement that passcode uh, wpa2 passcode and then redirect to a captive portal um and so that's another layer of security um and then on the business side of course uh you know we in access at access parks don't really deal a lot with business it we're more the consumer side uh we provide a business connection to customers but it's really up to the customer. It's up to the RV park to have a proper business IT system uh, and, and IT consultants who can deal with all of the, the firewall issues, make sure that all the firmware is updated. Um, mm-hmm. That's all a really separate piece from the, from the guest side.
2: Yeah. That part's really fascinating to me too, because I think that that stuff specifically is so daunting that it, it does contribute to this sometimes uh, desire to, keep away from, you know, things like online booking and, um, and, and really using the the cloud based softwares and things like that, because, you know, there's so much that comes along with it. So many concerns that, frankly, you know, as a layman, (laughs) um, I know personally, I, it's incredibly overwhelming and, and yeah, you really need those pros in place to, uh, to provide support on that side. So uh, I, I also really had a ton of concerns all the time with my campground website. I would get, um, you know, phishing <clears throat> reservation requests through my website's booking tool or whatever. Either they would, it would just be gibberish entered into the, the request field um, and, and stuff. What I, first of all, What does whoever is perpetrating that (laughs) submission want? Why are they doing that? And second, you know, how can you um, better secure your website against stuff like that? I mean, either of you (laughs) pros on the call.
0: I don't know if you can say exactly what they want. Uh, I think that's (laughs) dependent on who the person is. And I mean, it's all automated, right? Like it's not an individual who's going to your website and manually typing in the contact forms 150 times in a row right uh, it's all my bots um, yeah so i don't know if i can maybe tim has a better answer to the question of what they want but i think how to prevent it is there's there's very there's numerous different tools uh google's recaptcha is one of them uh and right. again it depends on are you using that third-party system rms camp bot astra something like that and if so then the spam if it is coming from them is on them to fix it's nothing that you can do on your end right uh, but if a form on your website or something like that then usually in most cases especially if you build your site in wordpress then it's very easy to add a plugin to do those kinds of things and kind of help stop that spam it's like kind of like an auto checker where google verifies that that person is or isn't the bot and if they are then it kind of gives them that well the old version right. is that window thing right the choose the fire hydrant choose the boat the thing that annoys the heck out of everybody
2: uh <laughs> yeah so just the way
0: stop those, some of those things from coming through so
2: Right. Yeah,
1: I would I would say the uh, <clears throat> the website form uh, spam is really more of a nuisance. Uh, you know, it's, it's not typically the way that most hackers get into a business system. Uh, it is fairly isolated from all of your business IT. Usually, um, you know, the, the, the you know what it, what most folks know in the in the security world in IT security is that uh, you can be a hundred percent or ninety nine percent secure on the IT side. But the vast majority of these ransomware attacks and phishing attacks are uh, caused by your own employees. Uh, they are you know, when, when your employee receives an email that they're just not, where they're not sure about the, the source, it asks them to click on a link, asks them to click on an attachment, that's how they get into your system. Uh, and, and that's usually the source of ransomware attacks. They will then start taking over that PC and any other PCs that are in your business. Um, and they can lurk there for months uh, gathering data uh, and that's the scary part with ransomware, is it's not enough to back up your databases every day. Uh, they can actually lurk in there and start watching for sensitive data and take a lot of data hostage, uh, you know, months before you ever realize there's an issue. And they start demanding ransomware, uh, de- demanding a ransom. Um, and so it's really a matter of educating your, your, your employees, uh, you know, as, as to IT security and make sure you don't click on things you're not supposed to. Um, you can also make sure that the, the latest antivirus software is installed on all of your devices, right? Because that that is fail safe. And it will many times prevent somebody from when they click on those links, prevent the uh, the folks from getting in. Uh, so again, very important to have a, a business IT consultant who comes in and does all of this for you with the, uh, the firewall and everything else. Well,
0: you're, you're right, Tim, like the, the colonial pipeline here in the United States that was hacked was done through a weak user password. That's right. Uh, and that's how they got in and caused all the havoc they did and the delays in gas and the whatever million. I don't know how much the FBI ended up recovering, but still millions of dollars. They ended up paying the hackers. Uh, all can be caused by that. So it is usually user error.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's some very basic steps that, that everybody should take. You know, very complicated passwords is one because when they're trying to get your system, you know, every every five minutes for hours and days and weeks, they're just trying to guess your passwords. Uh, and unfortunately, most folks go for ease of use. Um, rather than security, and they'll even post that password on a on a post-it note at the front desk you know, for, for all their employees to see or anybody else. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so there are all sorts of ways you can uh, you can stop that with the uh, on, on the human side. You know, I would say that's that's where I would focus uh, more than anything else. If you're using reservation systems and point of sale, they're typically encrypted all the way to the internet. Uh, it's, it's highly unlikely folks are going to get into those systems. Um, if those software as a service platforms have done what they're supposed to do on the, uh, on the security side. Um, I think it's, it's really up to the RV park owner to, to uh, make sure that their, their employees are, are educated on this stuff.
2: Wow, <laughs> the post-it with the, the password on, at the front desk, definitely have done that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and
1: most and most people use the same password for everything. So if a hacker gets into one of your websites, one of your logins, they're pretty much into everything.
0: Well, yeah. and so there, there are solutions around this though. There are there are password managers that we we use one password at our company. Yeah. Uh, Dashlane, LastPass, things like that. Some of them are free. Some of them are over ten bucks a month. And they're little browser plugins that sit in Chrome or on your desktop as a Windows app or a Mac app, and they mm-hmm. make. Having different passwords on every site much easier because you can go to your bank website and it automatically fills in the password. And it's a 20-character random exclamation point thing that you don't ever have to remember. And so yeah. there are ways to do this without causing a ton of stress on you.
1: Yeah, that's right, Brian. We we, we use LastPass. Um, but, of course, you know nothing is 100%. You still have to use a master password to unlock yes. all of the yep. passwords. And if that master password gets distributed to all of your employees, you're back to square one.
0: Right. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. so, like for one password, we have Teams accounts where everybody has their own individual one password thing. But yeah. But remembering one complicated password is easier than remembering forty.
2: Forty. So I suppose then what I'm hearing is some of my concerns are um, were less um, valid than others. Suppose I'll ask you guys what concerns should I have for my my uh, IT security stuff as a, as a campground operator what should I be concerned about if I, you mean, I, don't, us.
0: I don't think that your concerns are any less or more valid like it all depends on who you're being targeted by right most campground right. owners most small businesses in general aren't big targets like colonial pipeline is and coca-cola is and right. CDC is and the government like all that kind of stuff and so uh, by its very nature, then you don't need to be as concerned, but we still should practice the basic tenets of security. So I think a lot of your questions are still valid. Uh, but I don't know. That's okay. an open-ended question. You want to take that first, Tim?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, there are a couple things you can do. One, one is make sure that your IT system, your business IT system is completely segregated from your guest network. Uh, so a lot of folks, unfortunately, run a flat network where it's the same virtual le- virtual LAN uh, for all of it. Which means if a guest can can get into that, as soon as they connect to your Wi-Fi, they then have access to your business IT systems. Um, that's a big no-no. So you definitely want to make sure that uh, your IT company sets up uh, everything on different VLANs: employees on one, guests on another, uh, point of yeah. sale on another, perhaps. Uh, so that's a good way to uh, you know to segment out. Uh, your network and make sure that folks can't get in there. Um, but uh, but yeah, again, having the right firewall in place, uh, you know, in your business IT system. I wouldn't rely on your Wi-Fi company uh, necessarily to to focus on your business IT system. That's not really what they're there for. All. Oh, no. uh, a lot of, a lot of the time, they'll say they'll do it, but uh, that's not their forte. Uh, and so, you really need a completely separate business IT consulting firm. Uh, you know, to really go in and analyze all of, all of what you have and make sure that it's all set up properly. Uh, manage your passwords, manage your firewall, uh, your antivirus, and all of your all of your PCs. Um, so, yeah, certainly a lot of a lot of concerns on the business IT side. Uh, I would just say less so on the guest side, just because of that browser encryption. Um and, and there, there are all sorts of other advanced things you can do, right? So I can, I can talk a little bit about what Access Parks does. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, what we do is we actually create a, a separate VLAN, a separate uh, wireless network for every customer device or, or every customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that is, is that actually a, a completely unique WPA2 passcode for every customer. So, uh, you know, when they sign up for service, they get a unique code, they enter that in there, and then everything's encrypted from end to end. Um, and they can even create their own little personal personal network uh, on 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 the on the larger network. So that if they're using something like a Chromecast uh, that requires their devices to be on the same Wi-Fi network, uh, or a printer, you know, would be amazed what you see out there now with these big rigs where people are working remotely. They've got you know printers they want to get on the Wi-Fi on the same same network. Um, you know, Chromecasts, all sorts of things. And so uh, what you can do is create an encrypted personal network for that, for that guest. And they put all of their devices uh, into that. Um, so there, there's some more advanced ways you can do it. Um, but that's certainly not the vast majority of, of RV parks.
0: Yeah, my, my video is great this, this morning, isn't it? The sun's like right behind my head. Yeah, <laughs> Mr choose a better spot outside next time. But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can go into that are that are advanced. And I mean, like a traditional firewall, like, yes, you can have an IT person do that. But if, you, if you're if you a legit hacker, and you don't just call yourself that on Instagram, you can get through a <laughs> firewall in 10 seconds. Uh, a basic like consumer one that you're buying at Walmart or like that they're putting in a lot of these systems, right. And so that's why
1: I think I lost Brian's audio.
2: Yep. Brian's lost. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm,
1: sure, I'm sure he'll be back.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I actually have a message here from somebody asking me, what is pretexting? I have no idea what pretexting is. Should I Google it? <laughs> Tim, do you know what pretexting is?
1: You know, I, I, uh, I haven't heard that term. I'm guessing it's sort I of a tough one to like uh, where you're calling, you're calling somebody, uh, you, you, we get these calls all the time, right? They claim that they're from your bank. Uh, your, your account's been hacked. I'm going to need to get your account number, please. So we can fix it. Um, mm-hmm. maybe what they're referring to in pretexting. And that's just another example of how the human uh, element here is, you know, the vast majority of your problem. Um, you know, if somebody if somebody calls your employees and pretends to be from the bank or pretends to be from, uh, you know, from your, your reservation system, let's say, um, you know, they need to be very suspicious.
2: For sure. Yeah. I, it's, it's so interesting to me to, like I said, the sheer like volume of data that accumulates in a in a reservation software program um, is so overwhelming to me to feel that kind of vulnerable it takes a lot of trust in your software provider to just kind of give it up to them that you know they're going to be able to keep things secure and ensure that you're you know nothing's going to happen with your data um, and and I think. At least in my experience with the the companies I worked with, they, you know, they always did a great job of that. I didn't ever experience any sort of breach, but I did, um, I did experience some interesting stuff specific to payments. Um, I had the the payment, our payment processor had called me on a fairly regular basis. A few times a year we would have, you know, uh, the payment processor call and say, we often had folks request a booking through our website and then call us with a credit card number afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes that credit card number that was submitted over the phone, we then would have to key in to our our payment processing device. And I, I learned through that experience that our payment processor was, number one, was charging us a higher rate for those keyed in transactions because they were viewed as more risky but we often have, um fraudulent credit cards used for that process and and, and that's interesting to me um, you know obviously they're kind of providing fake uh, contact information or whatever when they're submitting that reservation request but then you know are they and maybe you can't answer this but I don't, to me, like that person's not coming camping. I don't understand why they are would process a transaction. Are they testing a, a card to see if it's gonna work and, get, and be approved and go through?
1: Yeah, that's, that's right, Kara. So um, you know, now we're getting uh, deeper and deeper into it, but uh, yeah, there's there's something called the dark web uh, which doesn't appear, of course, uh, on, on the, uh, you know, the web that, that we know of. Um, and it's really sort of a, a uh, haven for uh, fraudsters and, and uh, credit card fraud and everything else. Um, right. And so, you know, obviously, the FBI is very interested in, in, in the dark web. But uh, there's a market on the dark web for stolen credit card numbers. Uh, but if you can prove that that credit card is still valid, in some way. Uh, by calling your RV park and trying to book a reservation, by calling Target, trying to book a $5 transaction, um, right. you can validate you validate that credit card number. Uh, and then it becomes much, much more valuable on the dark web, they can sell it to, to the highest bidder. Um, right. I believe they even have sort of tiered, you know, sort of ratings on stolen credit card numbers. So uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, the RV park is protected, of course, uh, if it turns out to be fraudulent, you can just do a chargeback uh, you know, with your credit card company, um, you know, but, you know, I guess I would say uh, one other thing is, is, you know, what most, most of these issues are related to storing data, uh, you know, yourself at your RV park or on your servers. Um, and so late in the last 10, 15 years, obviously, you know, software as a service has really, really taken off, uh, call it SaaS, Right. Um, and what SAS is, is, is you, you have nothing on your computer except for a web browser. Uh, You have no database, no nothing, all your interactions with the tools, the applications, the software is over the internet, over over an encrypted 128-bit SSL encrypted connection. Um, And when you're not storing credit card data, you're not storing customer data, um, you know, there's really not much to worry about at that point. Uh, You're relying on the SaaS platforms, the SaaS companies, whether it's, you know, CampSpot or StayList or ResNexus, uh, you're relying on them to have proper security, right? But you're in a way offloading uh, much of the liability onto a, a third yeah. party. Um, you know, and now that now it's up to them to find the, the, the great IT folks who are going to build those firewalls uh, and take all yeah. the protective apps. Um, you know, so I think there, there are ways that you can just um, you can just pull the plug uh, entirely and just do your run your entire business on SAS. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't store credit card data that just that's just a transaction that goes back and forth to your processor. Yeah. Um, and all you see is the last four digits, then you don't don't have to go through a PCI compliance process that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars because you're storing data. Uh, We have lots and lots of customers nationwide, very large operators uh, who do store customer data so that they can easily recharge folks. Um, And the PCI compliance process there is extremely expensive and onerous. Um, I would recommend any any park that can get away with not storing data, any data uh, locally uh, do so.
2: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a big, big factor in uh, deciding between, um, you know, that in-house data storage and, and the SAS system, which it's also fascinating to me because I think a lot of folks tend to um, want to maintain control and access to the, their data. So I think the the argument you're making is really valuable from a campground owner's perspective to see it in that, from that perspective instead. Um, I I think, like I said, that that data storage stuff makes really creates this feeling of vulnerability. And so to get away from that um, is, is definitely the way, way to go. I'm interested. We do have, and maybe this is a Canada specific problem, but we do have lots of parks who either don't have access to Wi-Fi at all, or they don't have access to, Uh, sufficient Wi-Fi to be able to use uh, 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 software as a service as as an option. Do you have recommendations for parks like that?
1: Uh, Get broadband. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, you know, the FCC defines broadband as a minimum of U.S. FCC defines broadband as a 25 25 megabit per second download minimum um, and three meg upload, and so we're always tying into fiber. We always deliver at least 25 meg symmetrical down and up to every guest device, not to the park itself, but to every guest device 24 hours a day. Um, and the one reason we've been so busy the last you know couple of years is because of SaaS. A lot of parks are realizing that they want to run everything off off of uh, off of SaaS platforms. Um, and you've got to have the bandwidth for it. Uh, never, never mind you know, the fact that your guests really want broadband, that's what drives bookings, and drives ROI. Um, but just from a business operations perspective, people really, really want uh, you know, broadband. You know, one example, uh, one of our partners, Zantera, they run all the lodging in some of the biggest national parks. And so we do all of their, we operate all of their broadband at Grand Canyon and Yellowstone and Glacier National Park. These are places that up until you know, a year ago when we got there, uh, they had they had almost nothing. It was just a DSL connection. You couldn't load a web page most of the day. Um, just a really shocking situation for some of our biggest national parks. And so uh, you know as we've rolled out broadband to all of these parks, you know they've taken advantage by converting a lot of their systems over to uh, to the SaaS platforms. Um, and so now, you know same with KOA, they've got folks who are out now with with iPads in the park doing express check-in. Uh, on our Wi-Fi systems, which you know makes the guests very happy, they don't have to go to the front desk; they can just show up to the to the pad, and somebody comes out of the golf cart with their iPad uh, and checks them in. But you have to have good Wi-Fi, uh, reliable Wi-Fi that that meets a certain service level agreement, uh, a certain minimum speed, uh, and that's not something that uh, most folks out there offer. But um, you know, if you're if you're in a remote ca- Canadian uh, park or a remote uh, park anywhere, uh, you are going to be limited by you know the satellite or DSL. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may, not, you may not be able to go to a uh, you know model on that. Um, but I will say, if you have the proper business IT folks, uh, they will, of course, prioritize your traffic over guest traffic. So even if you have a really really slow 5 megabit per second DSL connection, which we never recommend for any RV park to use DSL or cable or satellite, um, unless it's just for your business operations. Uh, if you're trying to offer Wi-Fi to your guests over that uh, while also running your business network, you can forget about it. Uh, that is just never going to work unless you have a really good business IT uh, consultant who can make sure that your traffic for the for the point of sale system and, and business systems are all prioritized, and then whatever's left over, the guests get, which they're probably going to get almost nothing on in that case. But at least then you can run a business. at least at least then you can run a business IT system. So I do get it. There are folks out there who have to make that sort of zero sum calculation: Are we going to offer some service to guests, or are we going to keep that for our business operations? mm
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough tough scenario for sure to be in. So yeah. I have a question here too. How secure is the cloud-based CRM system really? So I think you, you did kind of already touch on that specifically about you know the ability of these companies to really address those problems. They have all the all the pros in-house to to do the things that to to address the problems that are really overwhelming for us, campground operators who are focusing Typically, our energies on things like uh, the guest experience. Um, but uh, if you can touch specifically on that, how secure is a cloud based CRM system?
1: Well, i would say they're very very secure you really that's not really an area that you really should be focusing too much concern on um you know partly because they're just using ssl encryption which is one port on the internet right so uh port 443 is uh the ssl encryption that that your crm system uses in your web browser uh to to encrypt everything end to end um where you run into some trouble you've probably heard in the recent past you know the solar winds hack uh there's some other business it systems get hacked all the time they're exposing many, many ports to the internet. Um, and not all of those ports are secure. And all it takes is a hacker doing a scan and seeing what ports are open on your network, or your firewall. Uh, and they can they can take advantage of, of almost any port that's open, whereas the CRM system is just using that, that 443 encrypted uh, port. So uh, I'd be more, I would be more concerned with, uh, with again, the human element, uh, just the logins. Um, you know, somebody can penetrate a PC that some one of your employees is using they can watch every keystroke and figure out what all the passwords are. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. called a keystroke logger. uh, And if they can get that installed on somebody's PC because an employee clicked on a link or or an attachment, uh, they're now seeing every keystroke that employee makes throughout the day.
0: uh, And they're gonna get every password. So.
2: uh, Hi, Brian, you're back.
0: (laughs) Am I finally? Like I keep seeing myself in the back end and I think I'm back and then I talk to you and nobody answers me, so.
2: You're
0: back. Hi. You're back. <laughs> I'm between my home internet and my hotspot. And I don't know. Anyway, so good. I'm back.
2: <laughs> Speaking of Wi Fi,
0: <laughs> I could hear you guys the whole time. Like I just, and I could see myself. I just don't know why I wasn't showing up. So, anyway, crazy. Good talk so far.
2: Well, awesome. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Um, do you have any input on the stuff we talked about that you missed? Out on. Well, what I was
0: trying to say, I think when I first got disconnected is, is Tim's right about SAS. You can offload a lot of that stuff. And a lot of it's easier, like, like way back when we first started doing marketing or tech or whatever we were doing for campgrounds, we were getting people off of the at Gmail addresses in 2009, 2010 and trying to give them their own at my domains. And so mm-hmm. in the beginning we were doing this all on cPanel servers, uh, you know, and, and what I found by doing that for a couple of years is that I had to manage all the security. I had to install all the spam filters and all the things. And, and my clients were getting a lot more crap in their inboxes than they would otherwise. And so we ended up moving everything and started using G suite, probably 2013, 2014, which is Google's service. And yes, it cost the park owners money versus us. We were folding it into our services, but what it did is just basically allowed me for five bucks a month for each email address to offload the security to Google who spends millions of dollars a month on this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes sense. I, I mean, it's more reliable. It's less spam. You don't have to do any of the work. I don't have to do any of the work. Uh, and so, <laughs> it, yeah, there's, there's simple ways that you can offload some of that stuff without making it more challenging.
2: Right. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And you can low, lower your risk substantially by, by letting those multi-billion dollar companies manage your security for you.
0: Absolutely. Right. And so we're all worried that, you know, of course, Google's a bigger target, but that, that's why Google's spending millions of dollars a month on security, because they know they're a bigger target. So,
1: Right, right. But even from a legal perspective, if you've got a SaaS provider, CRM, uh, Google, anybody managing your SaaS platforms, it, it right. does alleviate uh, mitigate a lot of your risk uh, on the hacking side if there is a data breach. Um, That said, you know most folks should carry uh, proper insurance for uh, for for IT sort of the hacking attacks. Yeah, there is
0: cybersecurity insurance. We've got it. I think we either had it or I couldn't get it where I was in Ohio at the time through my provider. But I've looked into it too. Um, How?
2: Sorry, I was going to ask about specifically about cybersecurity insurance. Is it cost prohibitive? How like, or maybe you don't have that answer. But
0: I think I've quoted like I don't know, maybe ten. 20 bucks a month, something like that? Yeah, it's not oh, expensive. Wow.
2: Nice. That's fabulous. And, and, um, and some, of that,
1: some of that depends on whether you're actually storing data. So if you're not storing any data, uh, you know your, your premium comes down quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and there are ways so, like, uh, I heard Tim talk about, and, and this is going back a little bit, sorry, from when I missed, but I heard Tim was talking about credit cards and storing that data because people's ability to recharge them is easier. But you can do that. Mm-hmm. There's hybrid models of that. Like we do that with our checkout store. We have WooCommerce where people buy our marketing services on our website. It all integrates with Stripe. So Stripe stores all that data, but through Stripe's API, I can still recharge people whenever I need to. So there's ways that you can right. have the best of the world.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Stripe, is the one who had, Stripe is the one who had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, to be PCI compliant, go mm-hmm. through all the uh, monitoring and yeah. everything else. So, yeah.
2: And that stuff, again, comes down to this This type of knowledge and awareness for, for operators is really interesting because the first thing I always hear when we talk about using strike and things is, oh, the rates are too high. Well, sometimes you get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, yeah. there are implicit benefits and reasons for why those rates are the way that they are, and you're getting – incredible value in my opinion for that for that expense specifically because of these things I and I don't think that that is common knowledge and should be we got to spread no, the word
0: and i think some of the discrepancy though is is again a lot of not just park owners but small business owners in general aren't paying attention to these things like it and stuff like that and so there is no expense to compare stripe to and so yes, you've got your payment, obviously your credit card percentage fees, but they're lower for a reason and Stripe's are higher for a reason because Stripe offers more services and integrations and security and all those kinds of things that other people don't do. But when, it, when you're in a campground owner, who you're coming from a 1% fee, just making up something for credit cards and you're not doing anything with PCI compliance and you're not concerned about firewalls and all those kinds of things that could get hacked from a credit card perspective, then you've got nothing to say like you don't understand. The justification because you haven't done the research or it's not your wheelhouse like you're running a campground you're not an IT person
2: right yeah exactly
1: I, yeah. I we're seeing a recurring theme here try to outsource as much as you can don't store any data um mm-hmm. uh, and uh uh yeah you get what you pay for in terms of uh of security absolutely
2: yeah i mean yeah, yeah there's and, the
0: oh sorry <laughs> no 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 I, go ahead cara please
2: I, I was just going to say, there's no no need to reinvent the wheel here, and and like Brian said, I think utilizing the pros, the folks that really get it, is is logical and worth every penny.
1: Yeah, and, and, just, and, and along those lines, Kara, I would say that what we see in our industry, uh, less and less so these days, but uh, we see a lot of park owners doing DIY, uh, DIY IT we call it. Um, and you know maybe their 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 son is in charge of IT or their brother-in-law and they you know they went out and bought a bunch of Ubiquity radios and now they're now they're a wireless ISP yeah. <laughs> in, in their eyes and and it's sort of uh, what we sometimes refer to as the Dunning Kruger effect people people don't know what they don't know so they assume they they know everything there is to know about that subject. Um, but there's an enormous amount to know about security and Wi-Fi and broadband and IT and firewalls. Um, it's it's a massive, massive industry, obviously. And when we see uh, type systems uh, that may be very cheap, you know, you start to get a little concerned uh, with uh, with how it's been set up. Not just from a performance perspective, you know, they almost always can be a lot better performance-wise, but uh, on the security side as well. Uh, you know, sometimes there's a checkbox that says. Isolate all Wi-Fi client devices from each other on the Wi-Fi network, uh, and that's mm-hmm. not checked. <laughs> so now you've got some, one guy in an RV who can reach the other guy's uh, devices, you know, across the street, um, you know, things like that. Uh, but there are there are dozens, even even hundreds of of issues like that that a, that a DIY uh, setup may not take into consideration. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: And so it's just a, it, it's an education and it's a balance between once you have that education and you understand it, whether that comes from you reading or watching YouTube videos or learning on your own or having a grandson who actually works for an IT company and isn't, you know, instead of just says they do or it's a hobby. Or you're learning from a show mm-hmm. like this from, from myself, from Tim, from what cares experienced at her park. Uh, once you have that education and you start to learn all the things that go into it, then all of a sudden that value prop for paying a little bit more to outsource becomes worth it.
2: Exactly,
1: yeah, and, and I think when, once uh, w- w- what we also see is sometimes when it is a DIY system, they do that for several years, and they start learning and, and moving up sort of the uh, the learning curve a little bit, and, and eventually they reach the point where they start to realize what they don't know, uh, and that's when they're mm-hmm. like, oh, wait a second, we need to bring a managed service provider. Um, and that's what
0: I was it. saying. I mean, that's what I did in two thousand nine. I didn't know what I didn't know, and so I was running it on cPanel because I thought I could do it all myself right and I, and I could but it was just way more work than i could keep up with and so yeah you i mean i still learn every single day I'm sure you
1: right do that and, and, not, and not to sound cynical brian but there are many many organizations out there whose business model is based on uh a, an inexpensive solution for a diy um and it, it's yes. not the most robust system and it's not going to have the performance uh, but they're, they've got great marketing teams and they'll convince you that this is all you need you can do it yourself um, and I think that, that sort of that mentality sort of permeates the, the Internet in general. People want to DIY. Um, mm-hmm. But RV, RV Park owners in particular, you know, they're used to going out there and getting their hands dirty and, and doing a DIY system. And so sometimes they fall prey to, you know, folks out there who are just selling them you know the, the, the lowest quality product with the highest markup um, and not necessarily all the latest and greatest in terms of performance or security. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you really want to manage service provider, in our opinion, anyway. That that's the best model. Somebody to manage everything end to end, from your fiber connection all the way to the end user device. Um, you know, better to outsource that. Let your folks focus on on what they do best, which is you know, yeah. guest satisfaction. Absolutely, couldn't
2: agree more. So let's, talk
0: about, let's talk about some basic steps though that these park owners can take on their own, right? Uh, like to avoid, cause, cause we talked about ransomware, but ransomware is all ransomware is, is a form of malware that allows you that allows an external party to literally encrypt all of your files on your computer and hold it for ransom. Uh, and, and so it's one type right. of malware, but it's something that you should be protecting yourself against. And so we talked about briefly about antivirus. There are tons of, just like we're talking about saving money, right? And, and, and DIYing it yourself. You can get free antivirus mm-hmm. from anywhere. The problem with 98% of, and I'm just making up a percentage rate, right? but it's high of antivirus software in general is that it's all reactive. Find Great. the virus, study the virus, create a way to clean the virus up, launch it into the antivirus program. Somebody downloads the update. And now you're protected months later. That doesn't do anything for you. Like nothing. So, uh, use use a use use a a proactive system and these exist out here right like on my computer i've used sophos before which is a uk firm that has artificial intelligence built in that looks for patterns of malware viruses ransomware and things and stops them before they need a an update to say that this specific one was discovered in the wild Uh, and, and it's cheap like sophos home which you can use for your business computers is free um silence is another one that I'm using right now, which is another artificial intelligence one. It's super lightweight. It's like, I don't know, 20 bucks or something a year, Mm -hmm. 30 bucks a year, something like that. Uh, But again, it's, it's proactive, it's not reactive.
1: Yeah, in some cases, you will get what you pay for, though. I, I would I would say, you know, a little a little knowledge is a dangerous thing uh, when people start seeing, you know, uh, you know free systems out there. Uh, I would go back to what I say, what I said earlier, you know, get, get a business IT consultant uh, and let them manage these systems, because uh, you know, even if you find a good uh, antivirus platform, It's sort of like the Wi-Fi business, right? In telecom, Uh, you know, you you can't just install it and forget about it. These are things that require daily maintenance, monitoring, upgrades. Mm -hmm. Um, It is it is absolutely a constant process to make sure that these systems work correctly. And I think that's a common misconception in the industry. Even in the Wi-Fi business, we have folks who think they can spend, you know, fifty thousand dollars on some boxes, some radios, put them up, and they're good for five years. Uh, And that's just not in the telecom business, uh, you know, certainly not with any enterprise-grade telecom company. Um, and it's the same thing with security. If you, if you install, you know, even the latest greatest uh, you know antivirus um, or even a cheap one, uh, they do require constant uh, upgrades and maintenance to be effective. Um, even from a settings perspective, your, your business needs are going to change on a regular basis and you may want to adjust some of the security settings. And so you really want somebody who knows what they're doing, uh, you know, dealing with that, there, there really is no, you know, sort of uh, click here to install and forget about it for five years.
0: No, I, I hundred percent agree with you, and I'm not arguing against outsourcing anything, but I'm saying at a most basic level, if you're going to take step one today, something that you can do without going through the outsourcing and all that kind of stuff, and, and maybe build up to that. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Then install some of these, like Sophos. Yes, is free, but Sophos is free because they have a gigantic enterprise IT system that's worldwide that they make millions and millions of dollars off of and so they're offering home for free because they don't need the profit but it uses the same ai that their hugely ridiculous expensive enterprise thing does right so. yeah no better better to use better to use something
1: absolutely yeah yep
2: so what's step 2
0: step 2 beyond that i mean let's a good backup probably for your computer would be my next thing um, like, cause that's that's gonna help protect you against ransomware. But don't back it up on your local server. Back it up on a cloud somewhere. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what the name of the backup acronis is the one we use. Uh, acronis cloud backup, and and so it, it syncs to different places on the cloud. So you can, if you get a ransomware that they're encrypting your system, you can restore it from that cloud backup, and it's gone. Like it's yeah, that's. that's- yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and
1: then, of course, if you if you do insist on keeping files locally, um, you know, better to use a, a a SaaS based uh, you know drive like Dropbox or or Box or, or Google Drive. Um, certainly, people will store local copies on the on the PC, uh, and that can be susceptible to to hackers. Absolutely, um, but at least you've got built-in backup. So, this happened to us actually uh, on, on one, of, one of the folders. Somebody actually delete, accidentally deleted one of our folders off of uh, you know, a cloud based system, cloud based drive. Um, it was one click. You go back and say, okay, just retrieve it from yesterday. Um, you know, and that, and that's that's a, a huge peace of mind knowing that those companies are backing that stuff up um, almost on an hourly basis in these massive data centers. Um, and if something happens, you can rewind the clock. You can go back you know, an hour. You can go back a couple of days. You can go back a month. Um, so that is another, uh, you know, secure secure way to keep your files. Uh, um, in yeah,
0: the cloud. and we've heard like we've heard that then the counter argument to that, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but the counter argument is, what if the cloud service goes down, or what if the cloud service gets hacked, or whatever? And so, like yeah. for, for our and business, and this is this is more complicated than a campground owner probably needs to do. But what we did, and what we do at our at our small company, uh, is we use a NAS network attached storage which is from a company called Synology. You just buy it and it backs up, like it's a huge storage system to store all your files, but then it also can take those files locally and also sync them in real time to Dropbox or Google Drive or to Amazon Storage or whatever else. Mm -hmm. So then you've got your local files that's protected, but you've also got a cloud copy that syncs in real time. So then you're covered both places.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, most, most experts will suggest you, you keep your files and if you're going to keep files, keep them in three separate places, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. uh, your PC because for ease of access, it's going to be that NAS storage, that hard drive you bought from Costco or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the 50 terabyte uh, hard drive that's attached uh, or in the cloud. That's, as Brian said, they have NAS storage in the cloud and then also the, uh, you know, the cloud cloud service like Dropbox or Box. Um, so well, that's, we what we, that's
0: what we did. We had the NAS storage that was local. It was a box that sits on the shelf with eight hard drives in it. They're eight TB each. Right. And then, but then that software that runs on the NAS has the ability to connect to Dropbox and sync it to there to back it up to Amazon or Dropbox or wherever you want. So. yeah, yeah, man. You know, they,
1: it's, it's counterproductive, counterintuitive, right? Uh, and people say you need three separate copies for, for data integrity. But what that what does that do? It also increases your exposure. Now you've got three separate places that all your all your data is stored. So if somebody gets into your PC, they've got your PC data, uh, then they can get into your NAS storage device, um, you know, maybe much more easily than they would have been able to penetrate uh, Dropbox or Google Drive, you just don't sure. know. So right. there, there are all these trade offs. So you know, people have to make.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it depends on what type of business you run into, right? I'm not a bank, so I'm fairly comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. if they want photos from our clients from 2009 that I took, <laughs> and I didn't yeah. I mean,
1: exactly. Yeah. And I, I guess that goes back to the original point, which is if you if you if you don't want any exposure, don't keep any data uh, anywhere. Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 It's fascinating to me. I uh, like I said, I actually had sleepless nights about the amount of data we had stored. Um, Yeah, it, it, this was prior to switching to a cloud-based system, but, um, and, and that was the main reason why I was very tired. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, we did eventually switch and, and that did give me a lot of peace of mind, but, um, I did still feel like Brian was saying, you know, consistently like what happens if something happens to the cloud-based system and now, you know, all my data is there and, and and we did have days where you know a sink something would go wrong and now you know I have people showing up to check in and I don't have a property grid to, to check people in on and, and things like that so you know there's all these like I said trade-offs and and it's all about kind of measuring the the uh sacrifices and level of risk <laughs> You're never uh, going to solve your everything.
0: Business. You're never going to solve everything. And yeah. so, if, if, if it was me, and this is just my opinion, right? This is what I would be doing as a campground owner. I'd be running a smart antivirus, so probably Sophos, mm-hmm. because Silence is yeah. good, but Sophos has like all the extra things, like it protects against keystroke loggers and tells you if someone's trying to access your webcam, and it's free. You can't be that. Right. Uh, you can put it on your phone too. So I would have Sophos. I would have cloud based backup, like Acronis or something like that, that is similar that backs up off site to protect me from ransomware. And then I'm pretty good against viruses, malware and ransomware. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, And then after that, I'd make sure my website is secure. Uh, I'd make sure that I you know, whoever's running my website, because WordPress is a big attack vector like, you know, yeah, maybe no, you're not concerned about your website, because maybe it doesn't process those credit cards. But if somebody decides to hack your website and put something crazy up on the front page, they can damage your reputation pretty quickly so just make right. sure that whoever's doing the website has is protecting you with a call it a web application firewall but we do it for all of our clients and just could it nobody knows it exists nobody knows what it does but we know what it does and we know it protects clients so we do it and we eat the cost but that's it and then off right. and then like tim said outsource the remainder of whatever,
2: whatever you can <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I can give you Yeah, exactly. And and just one example, I was going to mention, uh, one of our one of our customers is a big nationwide brand that you would have heard of, Um, you know, they run their entire reservation system off the cloud, right, they have uh, the application actually running on Amazon Web Services AWS, uh, very secure platform, right? AWS hasn't uh, hasn't shown any security vulnerabilities, really. Um, All they have at their park is a screen. Uh, You know, it's it's what's called a thin client, it doesn't even have a hard drive uh its it's sole purpose is to communicate over the internet back to the amazon web service to the cloud to where the reservation system is um and there's literally no data uh being stored because it's not even possible Uh, all they have is a thin client um where the uh where the reservation agents are are working and and that's it Um, so you know that's a very secure system as far as whether aws can be hacked or dropbox or google drive um I have not heard any any situations where where folks have lost their data there, uh, at least not permanently. Just because they are spending so many billions of dollars on data centers around the world, uh, you know, backing up everything in multiple places and, and being able to rewind, you know, back an hour, or a day, or a month. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Brian has. I haven't heard of anybody in the cloud uh, being.
0: No, no, I haven't heard of anybody losing their data like that. But but yeah. but assume nothing is what I'm trying to say. Right like if again the three points of restoration right like it's the same reason we had our nas and we had dropbox and we had it backing up to amazon in two different locations one in ireland like in real time yeah. just because i assume nothing like just yeah, because yeah. amazon spends money on security doesn't mean they're not going to get hacked tomorrow by some kid who wakes up and decides he wants to have fun today sure sure it's <laughs> easy it's hard <laughs>
1: Well, and going back back to your other suggestion of using a network attached storage, basically an external hard drive, Um, that that can be a very secure system. Uh, The way I would use it, uh, if you want to be absolutely 100% secure, is you back up manually every day and then unplug the hard drive. Uh, it It would have no constant connectivity to your PC, which has connectivity to the Internet. Um so if you just you know back in the old days we used to do it with DVDs right <laughs> we'd plug the, put the DVD in there and it had all that storage capacity and you could back everything up on there and then you put it in a safe uh you know and you had a hard you had a hard copy of all your data um people don't do that anymore it's all you know hard external hard drives like you can back it up to the external hard drive uh, you know every few days every week and then just unplug it uh that's a that's a very secure secure way to keep your files if you're going to keep files
0: yeah so, yep, hundred percent agree. Yeah. What else, you know, you got, Kara? I uh,
2: I don't know. We're, we're, we've come to the end of this uh, specifically. I uh, I think I appreciate the um, confidence you experts have in all of this. Um, <laughs> the confidence in the the security and safety is is valuable. Um, I don't know if maybe i'm i'm a fearmonger with it but uh it, well, it's, I just, it's i mean horrifying. i wouldn't call
0: myself an expert I'm, I'm i'm more confident i don't know if i'm confident ever because the possibilities are endless right uh i'm far from an expert on security but I, i've done my basic research and i feel confident enough and maybe maybe in 10 years i'm gonna look back on this and be like i was a total idiot what was i thinking right but for now, yeah. I mean, I keep continue reading, I continue learning, and I just try to educate myself as much as possible.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that's all you can do is just stay up on on all the latest threats uh, as much as you can. Uh, but uh, you know, again, I, I feel I feel strongly that uh, private RV parks, uh, you know almost any business, really should be bringing in a managed service provider to to worry about all these
2: mm-hmm. things. For
1: uh, you're just never going to have enough hours in the day.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, this part alone feels like a full-time job. The, the consistent like monitoring and updating and keeping everything uh, running in that kind of well-oiled machine way is so necessary for not just your own, like your business safety, but your guest and, and data uh, protection stuff is so valuable. I uh,
0: It's just like with everything else. You have three choices, not do it, do it, or do it well. That's it. And it's with everything. It's not just with internet security. It's with marketing. It's with Wi-Fi systems. It's with all of the things that you do. Hiring employees, uh, it just depends on what your choice is at your park. Yeah. And
1: and, uh, people worry inordinately about the IT side. Um, I I would go back to what I said earlier, which is, uh, you know, uh, pay attention to the human side. Uh, make sure you make sure you know you know what your what your employees are doing with passwords. Uh, make sure you're changing passwords all the time. Uh, make sure they're they know not to click on things they don't recognize. Um, you know their their online courses, YouTube, whatever. Put them through a fifteen minute phishing uh, introduction. Uh, you know on a YouTube video, whatever you can do to close that gap because that really is where the vast majority of these issues come up.
2: Yeah, no, that's interesting to discuss. Adding that to a, a training resource. Um, specifically, I think that's a big step that the operators should add into their, their, uh, strategy. That's great. Yeah. I mean, if you look
0: at what, you know, as a park owner, which some, in some cases is bigger because you're outsourcing in some cases, it's smaller because you haven't done any education at all. Cause you just know the time, uh, think about what you know, or don't know as a park owner, your employees that you're hiring know 98% less than you do. And so just providing them that simple piece of education on what to look for and what not to do is is a good first step. And then when you get to the point where you're outsourcing, like Tim has suggested, and yeah, I'm suggesting too, you know, you look at some of the more advanced things like Sophos does for enterprise that an IT person can set up for you. And email filtering is one of them on top of Google, even if you're still using that, where it would literally, the system we used to use for endpoint would find a, a malware email and it would delete it before anybody could even see it. Wouldn't put it wow. in spam, it would just, it would recognize that it was malware and it would delete that file and that attachment. And so there was no chance of human error. So there are systems right. that solve this problem too.
2: Wow. Just have to know what to look for, <laughs> which well, is a whole yeah. other, okay. The
0: first step is, is being <laughs> cognizant that it exists and then concerned enough to take action. And then one, two, three, ignore it, do it or do it well.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's fascinating. It's a big, big part of, like Tim said, really running any business these days. Especially for sure, um, that connectivity is uh, incredibly valuable, but also comes with some vulnerability for sure.
0: I want to talk about one more thing before we leave, just because this is maybe up Tim's wheelhouse a little bit. We had a there was a question in in one of the groups. I think it was maybe Mark Cap's group the other day. Uh, where somebody was asking about privacy and how do I worry about my ISP getting me for somebody for uh, somebody downloading pirated content or doing something illegal on my Wi-Fi network. And, and there's no real way to like prevent that 100%. But what I told them was stop letting your ISP spy on you and use your own DNS. And so I gave him like the 1.1.1.1 from Cloudflare and told him to put that in his router. What do you think of a service like that, Tim, because you deal with Wi-Fi? Not that specifically, but using different DNS protect yourself private private somebody.
1: well I would say that uh, peer-to-peer downloading file file sharing BitTorrent kind of stuff uh, it's a huge problem in the industry um, you know the the, uh, the copyright issues are just massive um, as a as a telecom company we are uh, you know somewhat insulated from that according to the telecommunications Act of 1996 we're not responsible for anything that transmits our transits over our pipes um, right. However, it's sort of gray area, right? So as an ISP, we have all these fancy systems that allow us to track, you know, uh, potentially who is, uh, you know, violating copyright or committing copyright infringement. Um, and you know, we're required to trace them down and, and disconnect them. Um, you know, blacklist them, as they say, um, and, and you can only do your best, you know, people use VPNs and so on to do BitTorrent, uh, and then you have no idea what's you know, what's happening. but. Um, you know, certainly, it's all part of having a proper managed service provider manage that for you because if you're not responding back to HBO and, and Time Warner and all the other folks properly, every time they notify you there was a, a violation on your network, they will shut your ISP off. Uh, and that's, yeah. not something, that's not something a park wants. Um, and so it's another example of how a DIY you know, system may not have the, the, uh, the proper tools in place to be able to, to fight that uh, and combat that, uh, that threat. Um, but it is—it is one of the biggest, biggest problems uh, you know facing uh, ISPs is, is you know, how to how to walk that line between letting people do whatever they want to do within the law, um, but also uh, you know abiding by federal law, which says that we have to have the tools in place to be able to, tr- to uh, track that kind of stuff down. Uh, and you can take it to the next criminal level, right? If somebody is doing some really illegal things on, on your network, uh, downloading you know images or videos that that uh, are illegal. Um, you're also required to have that capability to track down who that person is, find their IP address, find their device. Um, because when the FBI comes and subpoenas you, you better have it. Um, because that's and you're required to do that under the law. Uh, and we've never seen any sort of smaller RV parts that do DIY IT um, and pay attention to any of that. So.
2: Right.
0: And so this is a multi-pronged thing, right? And wow, my video is terrible today, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's like literally right behind my head, the sun is. Um, so anyway, but it's a multi-pronged thing. Like, I'm, I'm, yes, I understand the the dangers that are posed by the things that you just went into, right, Tim? And I'm not suggesting that, that this is a system that you use to to avoid the scrutiny or to protect people who are doing illegal things, but uh, it's been well-established Congress has allowed it and stuff like that, that your ISP and many people don't even know this literally knows every website that you're going to visit and logs it and can track it and look at it. And so just from a pure privacy perspective. It's sometimes better, at least in my opinion, to use your own DNS service like Cloudflare provides that deletes all this stuff after 24 hours and avoids that whole kind of thing. So is it in some ways possibly protecting somebody who's doing something illegal? Maybe. Does it absolve you of that responsibility like you were saying? No. But it maybe gives you a little bit of peace of mind. Well, uh,
1: I understand there are a lot of privacy concerns. I would say, having been in you know the telecom industry as an ISP for for twenty years, uh, I can tell you the ISP does not care what you're what you're browsing to, unless um, uh, unless they unless they get a subpoena uh, from the FBI, and then and, and then the ISP better have uh, the tools in place to abide by CALEA, uh, which is the you know, the act that requires you to to be able to find illegal actors. Um, but but certainly, if you're concerned about privacy, yeah, the VPNs are are b- very expensive. Go ahead and download one um and i can tell you that uh, there's almost no way to get through it uh you know the isp will not be able to see what's happening isps typically see statistics they see you know what are the top websites visited by by guest devices um and if you want to drill down into into a into a deeper layer you can find the ip address maybe you can find the mac address um and then you know you might have to blacklist somebody who's committing illegal acts um, but they don't know who you are typically it's uh, it's almost impossible to track it's very difficult to track all of that back to a uh, individual user most of the yeah. time um, but I can tell you I've never heard of an ISP carrying you know uh, what any what, what, what websites no, they?
0: I don't, I don't think they list. do either I'm more concerned with the fact that they can legally sell my data to advertisers <laughs> that's where my behavior and they do they very much well, do. That,
1: yeah and that, and that's not an IT, that's not an IT question that's just uh, you know it's in the terms no, of conditions.
0: I, and again that's why I pivoted and saved it to the end right it's a privacy thing. So
1: yeah. Yeah. No, you're, 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 security, you, yeah. Absolutely should, you absolutely should pay attention to privacy policies, uh, with your ISP uh, with, with any with anybody, even the cloud SaaS providers, the folks who do your reservation systems. What can they do with your email address? Can they sell it to uh, other folks mm-hmm. in the industry? All of that is in the fine print that nobody ever reads uh, in, mm-hmm. in those privacy policies.
0: But they do have a lot of like privacy and security in some ways. And so you have to pay attention to both of them. Sure,
2: very interesting. That's all
0: I got. I think we're over. So, get out of here. Yeah.
2: No, I I I (laughs) wanted. Yeah, better. Uh, Thank you so much, Tim, for joining us today. Uh, Really, always appreciate your uh, expertise and knowledge, and and specifically, you know, love what Access Parks is is doing. So, uh, you know, always happy to have conversation with you whenever we can fit it in.
1: Yeah, thanks, Cara. It's always uh, always a pleasure. Always interesting discussions. Uh, always good to uh, to geek out and, and talk about IT. Um, good.
0: So, all right, it's good to see you, Tim. Thank you, everybody, for
2: joining us. We'll see you. What are we doing next week, Cara? What's next? I don't even know what's next week. Do we have a plan? Uh, uh, we're we're still in in the process of sorting some things out for next week.
0: So we don't have a plan. Yeah. That's what I mean. We will soon, though. All right. Take we care, have guys. A
2: plan. We'll see you next week. (laughs) All right. Bye. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Bye.